Hi friends. Wow, it is good for me to be back. A lot has changed since I first opened the podcast, so I've taken down the first intro and I'm recording this one. My name is Rhoda Hostetler, and a combination of personal and professional experiences converge to bring this podcast to you. I do have my own story of trauma, attempts to heal, spiritual abuse, calling denial and bargaining healing, and then finally being able to be honest about it all and learn actual healthy coping skills. However, I don't speak strictly from my own story. My career is dedicated to survivors of horrific abuse, whether they are trafficking survivors or survivors of violence within cults and or fundamentalist circles. I really care about people whose stories of violence intersect with their story of faith or their loss of faith. Having spent over three years living in Cambodia, two years of that in the red light district, my mental library of real life trauma stories includes stories of personal friends who have survived genocide, labor trafficking, sex trafficking, near starvation, watching their children starve, spiritual abuse both within Christianity and within Buddhism, and um, so much more. I've earned a bachelor's degree in psychology, and I intend to return for a graduate degree that will allow me to more competently serve those whose stories might um, be outside of the scope of what your average mental health counselor would work with on a regular basis. Um, I enjoy the studying, I enjoy condensing information, and I enjoy sharing it in ways that make sense to readers or listeners. The story of how I got to live in Cambodia, and specifically the red light district, is a long story. Uh, I don't think I have time to share that today. That time of my life, however, was pivotal in shaping who I am, the hope I hold for trauma survivors, and in guiding my career. It was over there that I first heard a professor say that if we don't believe trafficking survivors can heal, we need to leave her educational event. She was certain that survivors can reclaim healthy beliefs, thoughts, habits, and relationships. That if we didn't think there was hope for trafficked girls, what were we doing in anti-trafficking? Her hope has proven to be contagious, infecting me and then infecting others. I loved sitting with trafficking victims who were too old to be rescued because they weren't underage anymore and nudging them towards the thought that hope existed for them, that one day they could voluntarily leave, that Jesus is the kind of God and friend who would sit with them as they prepare for their night shift. I loved watching their faces light up as their maternal instincts showed up in their interactions with my kids. While I'm no longer there, I still love this kind of work. I get to watch beliefs shift before the actions change. I get to see happiness begin to poke through layers of grief. To be clear, it is not a love for dark stories, but for the hope and humanity that exists within even the darkest stories I've heard, even in the stories of those who have so lost hope that they would traffic themselves rather than leave. And a love for the people who carry these heavy stories. I love the goodness in these conversations. I don't necessarily love the mental toll that these conversations sometimes impose, and I would be lying 
if I said that I always manage well when the personal and the professional collide. But these conversations do bring me great joy. In line with this, it absolutely is a joy to bring this podcast back to you. We moved back to America in 2018, and my own denomination at the time, a denomination considered fundamentalist by those in mainstream evangelical culture, was on the verge of a discussion of widespread cover-ups of sexual violence against minors. I realized that silence, when I knew the truth, and had this specific skill set, was a betrayal. This was my motivation to begin speaking out. I made many mistakes in the beginning, but I did pay attention to the conversation within the survivor community and the sentiments from the church side of things. I realized that there is a gap between church culture and those who have been hurt by religion. Church does not always understand or care well for their own hurting, especially when they are hurting because of church. Yet, many of the harmed are still desperately trying to process matters of faith, to find a faith community where they can belong and to an extent relax and heal. I opted to launch the podcast to speak into that gap. The original goals were to help survivors hang on to their faith and to help people of faith develop compassion. Those goals have not changed. I paused the podcast mainly to have mental space to think more clearly in some personal situations. Now that I've graduated, I have a few more hours of my life back, and I am ready to relaunch. I think that one of the best things I can bring to this specific conversation is affection, both for people who are in severe pain and for the grubby but adored crowd of followers whom Jesus loves and calls his church. I love survivors. I love hearing their stories. I love watching their growth. I love being trusted with portions of their journey. I'm not threatened or alarmed by their anger or doubts or distance from God because I've had my own and I know Jesus can chase anyone down. For the church side of things, I understand that the love Jesus has for his church is not just a love for her when she's healthy. He loves her. Full stop. She does not have to be sinless to be loved by him. So, just like I know, even before a survivor tells me their story, that my posture is going to be affection, grief, anger towards injustice, and hope geared toward the survivor's long-term wellness, so with his church. Whether a church is healthy or not does not change that my posture in that conversation needs to be rooted in affection, grief over the unhealthy areas, and hope for her long-term wellness. Church can also build healthy beliefs, habits, and relationships. Church, like survivors, has the ability to own just how awful their beliefs and behaviors are when they are errant. The hope for both has the same source, Jesus. Truth sets us all free. And now, because I have an idea of the scope of experiences represented in my audience, I will add here that not every group that calls itself a church is actually comprised of people who have faith in Christ. But that's a discussion for several episodes from now. Survivors who are trying to hang on to faith, or atheist survivors who are trying to understand how any of us ever manage to hang on to our faith, 
You are absolutely welcome in this conversation. My commitment to the atheists in the audience is that I will work towards building the kind of culture here where you are safe to hang out and openly say, much like Thomas did, that you'll believe it when you see it. You can say that I'm crazy for believing, and I can say that you're missing out on the best thing ever, Jesus, and we can be friends. The disciples were the kind of crowd that Thomas could hang out with while verbalizing his doubts, and that's the kind of crowd I hope that you find here. I'm glad you're joining us. For the part of my audience that is comprised of church people who listen so they can understand and grow, welcome. I am incredibly honored that you are here. It means a lot that there are people who care enough to involve themselves in this conversation. Considering how deep my anger towards religion has been, I am humbled that church people still listen to anything I have to say. My commitment to you is to refrain from rants, to give a verbal acknowledgement of any episode that involves anger, and to remember that I, too, once shared some of the same fundamentalist beliefs that I now see as extremely harmful. Moving forward, I'll be including some episodes where I read an imprecatory psalm because I think we need to bring lament into this conversation. Grief is never truly silenced. It just finds a different place to cry out. The imprecatory psalms show us that lengthy grief, angry grief, doubt-filled grief, withdrawn grief, public grief, God hears all grief. And then, because I also believe we need heroes in this conversation, we need someone to look up to, we'll be looking at champions of human dignity. You'll hear about people who sacrificed themselves or their freedom or something deeply meaningful to them in order to honor and restore the dignity of others. Sometimes we think of courage as this moment of raw strength when fighting alone, but most of our hero stories actually play out in ways that carry practical lessons for us. They are somewhat relatable, even though the circumstances they found themselves in were rather unusual. Heroes were rarely truly isolated, but they were faithful in seasons of loneliness. But that's getting ahead of myself. Another change is that now I have a podcast partner, Connie. She is primarily responsible for overseeing the conversations on social media, and she also has agreed to serve as a filter, which my personal friends would probably say is necessary. If I'm not sure if I should say something or how it should be said, Connie's gentleness is here to guide me. I will let her introduce herself further on social media whenever she's ready to do that. Um, All you need to know about Connie is she's very gentle and very, um, how do I say this? She's the person who is in the background of an event, making sure the food is put out um, at the right time, making sure that the chairs are accessible, making sure that the materials that are uh, to be handed out for free are easy to access and just quietly serving in the background. That's Connie. The final change I'm making is I am taking down the financial support button. It does cost to produce a podcast, and I would love to someday make the podcast be self-sustaining, but for now, I am focusing on creating the best content I can. You are invited to find the Hope Beyond Trauma podcast page or find the closed group and begin interacting with other listeners, my podcast partner, and myself there. I am super excited for what we have ahead of us. We've got some really hard conversations just because 
religion itself can be a hard conversation and trauma can be a very heavy conversation and the two together yeah we've, we've got some conversations ahead of us but we can have those conversations with affection for um, the people who have been hurt and with an eye always asking the question of how does Jesus view the church? How does Jesus view the people in pain? And if we come back to that continually, I think we can have this conversation really well. Thank you.